Well, today we continue our series we're calling The One and Others. It has an 80s theme, which some of you are so excited about the 80s. Others of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. That was way before me. And others of you are like, I did not like the 80s. But I, I hope that you understand that part of why we've chosen the 80s is there's just so many great films about relationships and how badly they can go and yet especially John Hughes he seemed to capture the essence of how hard and yet how important relationships are and so we're looking at this idea of the one another's there are 50 times in the scripture that actually God calls us to serve one another or love one another or teach one another or encourage one another and there are 50 of them now this is not a 50-week series but instead, we've just taken a few and combined some of them and, and really we want to give you the essence of what creates healthy relationships. See, God created us needing community. And you and I can actually become who he's created us to be in the context of a community that accepts us, embraces us, encourages us, and even challenges us. And I just want to encourage you, Gateway South, you are doing this so well. I am not the same. So many of us in this room are not the same because you've loved us, allowed us to come as we are, and helped us move forward. And if you're new to us, I, I just want to encourage you to, to jump all in. And, and certainly there's space. You can move slowly if you want. But, you know, moving slowly into community is like trying to walk into Barton Springs. <laughs> you, you can't really do that. It's so cold at first, you just put a foot in, a toe in, and you'll never quite make it in. But if you jump in, it's the most refreshing experience you could ever imagine. Especially when it's 105 degrees, right? 68 degrees then is perfect. But that's, that's what community is like. See, a lot of us, we come with wounds and sharp edges and all sorts of bad experiences with people and community. And so you're, you're a little tentative, but my encouragement to you is to let yourself experience the refreshing life that God offers us in the context of community. And last week, we, we heard John Burke, our senior pastor, talk about loving acceptance and encouragement and building each other up. This is the foundation. This is critical that creates a safe space where we can actually be able to move forward where we want to move forward. See, it gives us the chance to tell others that we are for them so that they can believe that God is for them. And you may have seen the A-frame in the back over here or in the lobby. There's three of them. These are filled with little pieces of paper, and I want to encourage you to pick one of these pieces of paper up. Read it as an encouragement to you, and then pray about who you can give it to as an encouragement to them. See, we need to develop these muscles of encouragement because we live in a world where that is not normal. We tear people down. We have to learn how to build others up. And if we're honest, in the midst of this, what we're really talking about is change. And we can be resistant to change. We, we, we come accustomed to our current circumstances and we don't really want change. We resist change, but change is a natural part of life. Did you know that the human body, the cells in the human body are constantly being changed, replaced? The cells in our body are actually dying and being replaced. Did you know that the skin replaces itself each month? If it happened all in one night, we'd be like snakes. 
but it gradually happens over a month, faster when we get sunburned, right? Our stomach lining changes every five days. The cells that make up our skeleton, we're, we're changing our entire skeleton every three months. The cells in our cheeks actually change three times a day. Within five to seven years, our entire body is replaced by new cells. Change is natural, and yet we resist, especially when it comes to spiritual change, when it comes to the work needed for emotional change and relational change. You know, when I moved here, uh, I was amazed at how many of you are long-distance runners. You, you run marathons. I have a friend who literally, on his 50th birthday, ran 50 miles from the town of Burnett to the street of Burnett. And uh, that doesn't sound like a celebration to me. I know some of you swim like 100 laps. Some of you work out like really hard, so hard that when I tried to work out with you, I couldn't come back the next week. <laughs> and you can't just get there. You can't just try to run a marathon. You can't just try to swim 100 laps. You actually have to train for it. Trying isn't what gets you there. It's the training that gets you there. And the same is true when it comes to our spiritual life. It requires training. It requires effort. You can say on this day, I'm going to be a more loving person, but inevitably someone's going to get in the way and ruin that. They make it hard to love. Maybe it's waking up the kids, trying to get them to school, which by the way, school starts tomorrow, parents. Does that make you excited? <laughs> Are you too, too, uh, too uh, tired to even whoop uh, after a long summer? Maybe it's when you get to work, you're, you're loving everyone around you, even in traffic, but then you get to work. And then there's that dude that always messes things up. Or maybe it's when you get home and it's that roommate. Throughout the day, there will always be reasons that you just won't be able to love, especially if you don't have a practice and learn how to love. Or maybe it's that joy. Or maybe it's that peace. You just wake up and decide, today I will not worry at all. And then something inevitably will happen. It reminds me of this old movie called Bowfinger. I'm not necessarily recommending it, although it had some funny moments, but one in particular, I remember Eddie Murphy trying to live at peace, and he would just go around saying, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. It's hard to live at peace when you have a mantra that's so anxious, right, and frenetic, and yet that's how we try to live our life. But we can actually put into practice things that will actually change our perspective, our habits, our automatic responses so that we can actually begin to live the kind of life that we desire, that God wants for us to live. Unless we train and change how we live, we will repeat the same mistakes. See, hurt people hurt people. And as a result, we hurt the people we love the most. We disappoint our spouse we unintentionally wound our kids. We burn through friendships because we're the ones who are broken. We, we might blame everyone else, but ultimately, until we realize we're at the root of all these broken relationships, we can't find transformation. See, that's actually the beautiful part about disappointment. Once you are aware of disappointment, it actually is the path towards hope because once you are aware that you have missed the appointment that God has for you, you have missed the life that God has appointed you for, then you can be in a position to get help. 
See, one of the marks of maturity is knowing when to ask for help. See, deep down we know we have more potential than this, that there's more to life than this. And so I'm going to give you two ways, two basically training exercises to help you become who God's created you to be. The first is challenging relationships. Actually create friendships with people who are willing to say the hard things and you're willing to hear the hard things. The other is spiritual exercises. But first, challenging relationships. We need to be intentional about putting ourselves into right relationships to help us grow and change. Listen to this passage from 1 Corinthians 15. Bad company corrupts good character. Have you surrounded yourself with people you want to become more like? Have you been intentional about during your week creating the kind of soil, the kind of environment that will allow you to bloom and blossom into the person that God has called you to be? See, that's what the church, what God's family can become in our lives. See, God is trying to teach us a new way to live. Our default is broken. But these one another's are the ways that we can relate to each other. And we talked about this last week. The foundation is beginning to realize that everyone is created in the image of God. We are God's masterpiece. And yet, we may be masterpieces covered in mud. And so this can be a community where you can be open and honest with where you're at. And we will help you become the masterpiece that God intended for you to be. But that only happens in the context of a loving community that accepts us when we're muddy, when we're messy. A place that encourages us, that builds us up. Listen to Romans 15. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Listen to that again. Just notice, how has Christ accepted us? Just as we are. We're actually following his example. Come as you are, grace-giving soil of acceptance. That's what we actually need to grow. That's why so many of us have been stunted in our growth. That's not how we have experienced others. Maybe even community has not been that way for us before. But the beauty of the message of hope that the scriptures tell us, the beauty of what God has done as he came to rescue us, dying on the cross for our mistakes, our evil choices, our sins. And we are washed clean of everything we've ever done and everything we will ever do when we acknowledge we need his forgiveness. We need a new life. Yesterday I had a chance to baptize Jackson and Kirsten. It was this beautiful moment because baptism is symbolic of dying to the old life and being raised to walk a new life. But it's also symbolic of being washed clean. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10. It says this, By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way. So let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. When we ask for forgiveness, we are clean. See, sometimes our problem is we don't trust that we've been forgiven. We allow the darkness to continue to fling guilt at us and shame at us, and we hold on to the worst moments of our life that actually God has already moved past and forgiven. Why do we subject ourselves to others' judgment and condemnation? We don't need to fear others' 
judgment at all. That's why we say no perfect people allowed. We don't pretend to be someone we're not. We don't pretend to be perfect. We accept each other as we are, and it's in that context that we can grow because the one who was perfect loves us and offers us new life. So we can be transformed if we allow God and community to help us move forward. Listen to Hebrews 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So you continue to hear in the scriptures, accept each other, encourage each other, challenge each other, work hard, think hard to motivate. I wonder, are there people in your life you pray for, that you ask God for words that you might motivate them, encourage them, spur them on? Do you have people in your life that are praying for you that, that will come to you and share with you ways to help you move forward? See, that word motivate comes from the Greek word proxusmos, which sounds a lot like proximity. You have to have people in your life that you know well enough and that know you well enough to have this kind of experience. So you can't apply the one and others of scriptures if there are no others in your life. That's what's so important about serving others with others. That's why we create spaces. You could come 30 minutes early every week or come to one service and serve and be a part of another service. Some people do that by serving in the morning with kids and coming at night at six. We create those spaces because it's in serving others that you finally get to know each other. And there could be one or two others that you serve with that become what we call spiritual running partners. Or maybe it's in your life group. Maybe you're a part of a, a group that meets weekly throughout the city. And, and in that group, there's one or two others that become these spiritual running partners. And for some of you who are not athletic or don't like to sweat, don't worry. These are running partners that don't run. <laughs> these are people you do life with that know you well enough to speak the truth in love. That you actually value their input into your life. Do you have people that you're listening to or that you're motivating? Accept, encourage, and challenge. And in that order. See, some of us have been hurt because we've been a part of communities that didn't go in this order. They just challenged. They just rebuked. That's how they started. And actually what we see is that it was the self-righteous that Jesus would rebuke. It was the broken and wounded that he would welcome as they were. See, we need to develop relationships with people where we love them enough to value them enough to have hard conversations, meaningful conversations, to be willing to challenge them. See, this is a loving and inclusive community and a community so loving that we're willing to have those hard conversations. This is a place where you can come as you are and you don't have to stay that way. When I was growing up, uh, you know how kids were, we kind of grow at different paces, and one of the first things that are like adult size on little kids is our teeth. Yeah. That's kind of when they transition from really cute to middle schoolers, right? <laughs> and, and I remember just being in middle school so like, I just felt like a horse. I had these giant teeth and had this giant gap between my big teeth. And there was no Michael Strahan, or I didn't really know who David Letterman was. I didn't have any gap tooth hero <laughs> to look up to. 
And I was just embarrassed about my teeth. And, and I would even ask about braces, but my teeth were like just, they came in just right. It's just there was a big gap between them and no braces needed. And as you get bigger, it'll get better. And it, it, it felt like forever of getting bigger. And I remember one day, I think it was in about high school, and I had lunch with my buddies, and we're having a good time, and then I go off to fifth period, and then sixth period, and then seventh period, and then I come home, and my mom says, Eric, you got something between your teeth. And then I thought for a second, how many people have I talked to since lunch that did not tell me I had something between my teeth? We need people that love us enough to tell us, hey, there's something caught between your teeth. <laughs> Before you go talk to one other person, you should check the mirror. <laughs> see, there are people in our lives that can be our mirror for us to help us see our blind spots. Listen to Galatians 6. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. We are each responsible for our own conduct. Notice the attitude and soil of this challenge. Humbly, gently guiding others back onto the right path with an awareness that but for the grace of God, we could be in that exact same spot. It's sharing one another's burdens. It's caring about the, poor, the other person. It's not a superior one-upsmanship. It's not some sort of self-righteous condemnation. It's out of love that we have these beautiful moments of challenging someone. I wonder, maybe, maybe you have no problems with the challenging someone. Maybe your problem or challenge is being challenged. You can tell if anyone ever, especially those you're closest to, says, hey, you know, I think you should work on this. Do you get defensive? Do you start to blame other people? Or are you willing to listen? Maybe that person is actually trying to help you with a blind spot. By the way, it's called blind spot for a reason. Because we are blind to that spot. We must love each other enough to have loving, honest conversations and be willing, mature enough to receive those loving, hard conversations. Listen to Matthew 18. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So what is that? That doesn't make sense. How do, how do you become more mature by being like a child? Well, children are not resistant to help. Children are not resistant to growth. That's teenagers <laughs> and adults. Maybe that's the big marker. You can tell the difference between a child and a teenager when they do not want help. Now, certainly we need to raise our children to be able to do things on their own but once we stop listening to the very people who care for us, who want the best for us, we actually lose out on their wisdom. And that's not a teenage problem. That's, a, that's an every one of us problem. But the beauty of a child is they want help. They ask for help. They know they need help. Do you realize you need help? We all do. When we realize we are not perfect people and humbly ask for feedback and for 
someone willing to challenge us, help us with our blind spots, we're actually in a position to change. And if we run around trying to challenge everyone around us, we'll start to realize not everyone's open to that or ready for that. Not everyone is humble and willing or wise. That's why Jesus said, don't throw your pearls to swine because they will trample all over it and not appreciate it. See, some of us have been offered pearls and we've treated it as rubbish. I want to read just several passages of Scripture. You can close your eyes if you want or they'll be on the screen behind me. I just want you to, to listen to these one another's, these statements from Scripture. Saturate your mind. Just notice how different th this is than how we normally think. Listen to these passages. The scriptures tell us to teach one another. Admonish one another. Don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you, but correct the wise and they will love you. Confess your sins to each other. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. To one who listens, valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry. Better be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. Not only do we need challenging relationships, relationships that push us, spur us on towards the next level of faith and life, we also need spiritual exercises. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Spend your time and energy training yourself for spiritual fitness. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. That's why at Gateway South, we, we create opportunities for you to move forward. I mean, for some of you, maybe your spiritual exercise is just making coming every Sunday a priority. Now, I realize it's almost football season. Some of you are very excited about that. And so let me just remind you, we now have a Sunday night service at 6. And so you can check the Texan schedule, the Cowboys schedule, whatever your team of choice is, and you can make one service every week, no matter what time they're playing. We did that for you. <laughs> but coming every week, that's, that's a great step. Because all of a sudden, is once a week, you'll, you'll be reminded of who God is and who you could be if you fully trust Him. But for others of you, your next step is, is not just to, to sit on a Sunday, but actually to engage, to start serving others with others. That's what starting gate is all about. Others of you, your next step is to actually jump into one of these short-term Gateway University courses. We have a maximizing marriage. It's so short, it's like literally one night. But again, coming at an extra time during the week. Or maybe it's being a part of Financial Peace University or a part of this this class we're calling Storyline, about finding out what God is doing around the world and engaging in that. Or maybe you need to be a part of some of our support and recovery groups. Grief Share, or Men's Recovery, or Women's Recovery. Or maybe your next step is engaging with a life group, reorganizing your life to where there's multiple touches. We do need to spend time alone with God in the scriptures and in prayer. But we do need to spend time with other people who spur us on, who help us move forward. Spiritual change is only possible when we work at it. There's this odd relationship, this kind of mysterious thing that's happening between us and God. See, God enables us to grow. He's actually the one who transforms us, there are, but there are things that we have to do along the way. 
It's like sailing, right? Without the wind, you can't sail, but you got to still hoist that sail to catch the wind. What is it that God wants you to do? The spiritual fitness, the exercises he has for you. Romans 12 says this, don't just copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. God wants you to know his will for your life even more than you do. But it requires a transformation in how we think, which requires community, which requires renewing our mind. And God doesn't force us to change. He cannot change us against our will. We must be willing. So the question is, are you willing? Do you want to grow? Do you want to change? When we are talking about running partners, people who challenge us, I can't help but think of my friend John Deal. Some of you know we lost one of our best this week. 49 years old, John Deal, married for 26 years to his wife Meg, has five kids ages 9 to 19. Monday, a tragic accident took his life. It was a work trip. He was scuba diving. We're not sure exactly what happened, but I found such encouragement knowing he had one great dive. But John was one of these friends who challenged me. I would call him a running partner, but he's kind of not like a formal type of guy. So I don't know if he knew he was a running partner with me, but he challenged not just me, but many of us. In fact, many of you have been in their home. In fact, just out of curiosity, uh, the, if you were new to Gateway, we invited you to dinner at John and Meg's house. I wonder how many of you have been in their home in the last several years, several of us. And so one of my favorite memories with John, not only how hospitable he was, but how he just called out the best in all of us. He challenged us to try something new. And I, I have a whole list of things I would not have done in Austin had it not been for John Deal. I mean, I went and saw some shows that we were not supposed to be in, but he was able to talk us into during South by Southwest. I went rappelling at Enchanted Rock. I, I went go-karting, which I would normally never do because it's kind of expensive. And, but he would just challenge us to try new things. I discovered this week that my son... The first car he ever drove was with John Deal, not with me. <laughs> but one of my favorite experiences with John, it was right after the drought, and we had all this rain. And if you know, uh, the green belt is normally dry, bone dry, but now there was a river flowing through it. And I shared this story yesterday at the celebration of his life, and it was just such an amazing experience because John calls me up and says, Eric, why don't you bring Caleb? Me and Henry are going to ride the river. And I was like, sounds great. So I show up and he's got these inflatable $25 rafts from Walmart. And then he hands us bicycle helmets. And I thought, I don't think these are like rapid certified like helmets and, and boats. But I, I was ready to try it. And so I got my phone, I put it in my pocket. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. You're going to get wet. And he was right. We got really wet. But we were having such a great time. We were going down this river and, and all of a sudden we come to a fork in the river and John was out front and he shouts out, go left. Then he disappears off to the left and I hear, go right, go right. 
And so we all tried to get to the right, and the kids didn't make it to the right. I was the only one that made it to the right, and I come out on the other side, and there was a boat, but no kids. <laughs> Oars and no kids. Eventually, they came floating down after holding on to branches for a few minutes. We got them back into their boat and just having a great time. And then all of a sudden, we were far enough down and I was kind of far enough back that it felt like I was all alone and I just was so overwhelmed with the beauty of the moment. I mean, I was floating on a river that did not exist just a couple weeks ago, surrounded by all these trees and, and then I see this beautiful bird flying above me. I was like, oh my goodness, I think that's a hawk. And then I thought, well, maybe it's a vulture, but either way, it was just like, <laughs> it was just this beautiful moment and then I thought, ah, if only I'd had my video camera. I could record this moment and, and never forget this moment. Because in that moment, I just began to pray, God, thank you for this beautiful space. Thank you for amazing friends like John. Thank you for a, a beautiful church community that's become more like an extended family. Thank you for this beautiful moment. But I couldn't record it. I didn't have a way to record it. And then we kept floating down the river, and then all of a sudden... I see my friend named Corky. He lives in Maynard. If you know this town, Maynard is not close to Barton Creek. And he was recording. As they come around the corner, I was like, Corky? <laughs> and actually, I want to show you this clip. And at the front, you can see John Deal out in front, as he always was. And he starts talking to Corky, who's a complete stranger to him. But really, to John Deal, there are no strangers. They're just people you have not met yet. And you can hear him challenging him to come and ride the rapids the next day. Let's watch this together. Good. I want to do that tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Look pretty good in that bicycle helmet, huh? <laughs> what's funny is right after that, we came up to what's, I, I guess, called the Triple Falls, and we hit every single rock along the way. And actually, my boat popped. And so eventually, we, we got Caleb into my boat and Henry into John's boat, it's one of the greatest memories I have with John. And I like to think that God, for some reason, told Corky, who lives in Maynard, to go record at Barton Creek so I would have this memory. See, I, I, I like to think that sometimes God does little things like that to remind us of how much he loves us so that we can trust him when things are hard. Because sometimes life is really hard. And I just want to for a second, so, so many of you have asked, how can we serve this family? How, how, can we, how can we help them through this? And I just want to say, so many of you did so much, even in this last week. Just the reception yesterday after the celebration of life, we, we actually lovingly referred to as the John Deal experience. Because there were so many ways that he impacted our lives, and several of you made food, and, and we literally created what we called a crowded house. It was the biggest crowded house we've ever had. The other thing that's been so remarkable is 
we've had these, de- uh, these dinners month after month, and for some reason this summer I just felt compelled, like what we do at the deals, we should do all over Austin. And so there are 11 neighborhood dinners happening at the end of this month and early next in your neighborhood. And maybe as a, as a way to begin the fall, maybe your next step is to engage in community. Just go have dinner with people who live right near you. There's one downtown. There's one up in Allendale. There's some in Dripping Springs and Buda and all around South Austin starting this Thursday. Just go to your newsletter and click on the dinner table and follow. And if the one that, that's nearest you is on a night you can't go, then choose another one close. Let's just share a meal together. Let's just get to know each other. Some of you have asked, how can we serve? Well, maybe that's the way. Maybe opening your home, getting connected. Maybe it's being in life group. Maybe it's becoming a life group leader. We've lost one of our best. Whatever your next step is, I'm telling you, the world, it's broken and it's messed up and it's mean, needs us to become the best version of who God's created us to be. So I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you not to let this fall come and go, but to take advantage of this new season, to do something new, to engage in a way you've never engaged before, and you will be better for it. The world will be better for it.